Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. My intention with this experiment is to inspire hope and inspiration in your creative pursuits. Follow along as I interview artists, makers, entrepreneurs, and creatives from all walks of life. Listen while you work, listen while you create, listen while you dream up the next breakthrough idea. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, or craft, whatever that may be. These interviews are evidence of that fact. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Share this with your friends, family, and all those creative people you know out there. Now, let's dive into this concept we call creativity. Welcome, my friends, my creative friends. This is Taylor with you on the ones and twos tonight, and I am speaking with my good friend Fern Lippert today. She's uh, she's awesome. She's in the field of apparel and fashion design. She's been making clothes for a long time. She's had some really cool jobs. One was with uh, Prana for quite a while as a designer. She's made me a couple cool garments throughout the years. And um, yeah, she's really knowledgeable about the fashion and garment industry in general. And I get her talking on that stuff here and there. And uh, just a little heads up, we do have some noise distractions in the background. I'm still figuring out the best spot to record these podcasts. So there's one point where things get a little bit loud. Uh, Two points. Oh, and then there's one spot where you can hear a baby in the background. But this is all an experiment and we're figuring it out and, uh, you know, trying to figure out the ideal situations for this. It's a work in progress, folks. That's how we're doing it here. So... Uh, thank you for bearing with me on this. Um, what else? Yeah. Share it out. Subscribe. Um, check out some of the other episodes. I'm interviewing some really freaking awesome people. Um, I am blessed to have really creative, amazing human beings around me. And we always have these cool conversations and like there's so much wisdom in everybody around us all the time and so that's the intention of this podcast is to record that and put it out to the world and document it because you know we only live once so let's get it out there and live while we can now without further ado fern lippert welcome to the art and life podcast i'm your host taylor gallegos and with me today is a good friend of mine, Fern Lippert. Fern, thank you for being on the show with me. Thanks for having me. I'm, ex- I'm excited to have this chat with you. Yeah. We've had, we've had countless chats like this before. <laughs> we've just mm-hmm. never recorded them. <laughs> Very true. It's about time. Um, yeah, why don't you start by telling everybody who you are, where you're from, how you got here, um, what you do. Cool. Yeah, uh, my name's Fern. Uh, in the apparel industry, I'm known as Krista. Um, I have been in the fashion industry for well over a decade. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
almost get nearing uh, the second decade, which is fun. And I've kind of jumped around in lots of different roles, just really loving and experiencing all of the different facets of um, fashion design. Um, I also teach online. Um, so I taught for a college for a little bit. And um, yeah, I, I'm super passionate about um, positive impacts on the environment and people. So just leading that charge in any way I can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so then you were you were born in Pittsburgh, correct? Actually, no. Um, I was born in 29 Palms, oh. California. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. Um, I grew up a military brat minus the brat. And... <laughs> <laughs> Um, kind of lived a little bit of everywhere. Um, I think lump sum, including my adult life, um, most of my life has been spent in Southern California. So, okay, yeah. Okay, where was the Pittsburgh part? That was where we went for your sister's wedding. Yes. Um, so a lot of my family is from Pittsburgh, and that's actually where I went to high school. Okay. There we go. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Nice. And so um, why don't you talk a little bit about what you do now? Yeah. So now I am a 3D apparel development specialist for a company called Browseware. Um, they have a software product that allows fashion designers um, and different design roles create uh, proto digital 3D prototypes of their garments. So instead of spending you know, four to five months going back and forth with a factory overseas or even a factory that's here in the U.S., um, figuring out, you know, the placement of a pocket that might be a quarter of an inch difference um, and, and having multiple samples of that garment cut out, sewn up, shipped, um, you know, it, the software really enables them to do that in real time without all of those other facets um, and, uh the impact that it has on the environment. Oh yeah, that's got to save ridiculous amounts of time, money, energy, everything. Oh yeah, lots of it. And so, so then you go and you teach this software. Yes. Um, so pre-COVID, <laughs> I would travel to our clients on site and teach them how to use the software and help them get through anything that they need to implement and start using this software more. Um, what are the best ways that they can use it? You know, every, every fashion designer has their own creative process. Every company has their own um, process that they have set in place or standards that they have set in place. So how do we meet all of these people with their company process using the software um, in the best way? So, yeah. Totally. And I'll, I'm, I mean, I'm just assuming they're all creative artists like they all have and they've all been in their respective niches for a long time, I'm sure. So like they they're probably pretty particular. Yes. On the, the way that they want the, the system to work for them. Yes. Which is, uh, you know, sometimes it's it's hard for users um, or people creatives to shift their medium. 
um, all together. And other times it works out really beautifully. Somebody who was really uh, scared to get into it at first just finds that they've opened up a whole new door and they're able to get into some other creative channels that they never thought they had in them. Ooh, totally. Like, like shifting the focus a little bit really mm-hmm. opens, opens everything up. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then how, like, do you use the software? I do. So I used the software for about six years before I made the industry leap to join this software company. Um, it is absolutely wonderful. I joined them very specifically because I really believe in their cause and all the good that they are bringing to the apparel industry. Um, for a long time, the apparel industry has been kind of off to the wayside. It's one of the oldest industries in the world, and yet it's one of the dirtiest um, and, and the meanest with people. So this software just allows companies to jump into being environmentally friendly and jumping into being socially responsible in ways that they don't have to think about. For businesses, it comes down to the dollar, and this pro- the software program actually saves them a significant amount of money from their entire prototype developing process. So for them, they don't have to worry about all the other stuff. It, we just show up, they save money, that's all they have to care about. But in the, the larger picture, there's a huge impact that is happening with the apparel industry um, and the digit- digitization of apparel right now. Um, COVID has really been a blessing for the apparel industry. I know it's it might sound a little weird and I know some listeners might cringe at that thought, but um, you know, there, when we look at the apparel industry as a whole, COVID, you know, yes, people are losing their jobs temporarily. And yes, um, factories are not being paid for orders that they were in the middle of making. So yes, there is a lot of people out of work, but what this is doing is it's forcing companies to find better ways of doing business. And so in this time of COVID, working remotely has increased. And working remotely has also increased designers wanting to be able to design remotely. And to do that, they're using this software. And so now they're they're getting their feet wet in this. And so now the businesses are thinking, well, how can we redesign our entire business model to be able to use this digital asset a, lo- a lot more? Um, which is really fascinating to see. I mean, there are some big name companies out there right now that are, are at the drawing board trying to rewrite what the fashion industry becomes after this. So it's, we're in a really cool time. <laughs> I like that. It's a nice, uh, it's nice to hear that and to think of it that way. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your perspective on fashion and design and the the things that you like to to make Ah. so for me I geek out the most in fashion with um, more the concepts so well first I really love textiles so textiles is a is a way to um, pull my heartstring into a concept but concepting is the idea that you are creating garments they're not for wearing they're not giving you the the feel and the look like you're going to walk down the street and see somebody wearing this garment. The concepting is um, the whole feeling and the emotion and the just 
getting your perspective changed on this vibe of the garment. That's what I really geek out about. There's a lot of work that goes into that. Um, and, and what they're doing is they're pulling in these different textural elements, color elements, um, the construction of a fabric and the way that it flows as an element and thinking through how all of these combine into this one single garment that when you look at it is really a giant work of art um, that's gonna guide whoever's looking at it exactly where the creator wanted them to be. I like it. <laughs> yeah, so it's like uh, almost a zoomed out. I don't know. It's kind of like in a different dimension of reality along the same lines of that same garment. So it's like, it's almost like the, the ethereal version of it where it's more in like a feeling space rather than like a real, like a three-dimensional reality version of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's really fascinating because every single garment that you can buy in a store has gone through that concept phase. So designers typically have a, a time period that's called like their research and development or their concepting stage. And they are, doing a lot of work there. They are um, reading up on things that are happening in society. They are like fully diving in to the pulse of all of society all across the world. They are tuning into their intuition with these things um, and, and really grasping the, the human connection between every sense that, ha that is put into a garment. And it, it might not seem like it because, you know, for instance, like Gap, you know, you have or Old Navy, you have the same run of the mill T-shirt that just season after season is the same thing. Nothing changes. But when that was first introduced, it went through this whole concept. So, um, gotcha. yeah, so no matter what designs start there and then as they work their way down um, the pipeline, it gets to a point of, OK, now what in this concept do we have the budget to create? And so then it's go, this push and pull between creativity and budgeting balance. And then what we land on is what is in stores. Hmm. So the concept is like so much more artistic and ethereal and wonderful in most cases than the actual garment that ends up in the store. Yeah, that's where all the the real fun stuff happens. And then it needs to be like brought into this like functional utility role of like, I need to be able to wear this. Right. Uh, that's cool. Um, yeah, and I mean, you've, you've made a couple things for me throughout the years. What's, uh, what, what's one of your favorite pieces you've ever made? Ooh, I think the favorite, my favorite garment I've ever made was, um, I made this dress that was a two-tone silk and it was not, in, it was, it was a concept dress. It was not intended for everyday wear. It was intended for the motion and the feeling of a ballerina, um, spinning and, um, I, I made it, it went into a photo shoot to help uh, explain that through the your eyes and the visual and the photograph and that was it. And it was one of my favorite garments I've ever created. And yeah, it was not meant to be worn. 
Sounds cool. What colors were it? Um, were they? It was like this pale gray and like a reddish brown. So it flipped mm. between those two colors, I, or like a bluish pale gray. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I always love when colors have like three colors in them. Yeah. I mean, with painting and blending colors, it, it often will, you know, you'll put three or more colors into one color and then you can kind of see and feel that in it. And then like you can totally do that with fabric also. Like light gleams off it or, uh, you know, the light's not gleaming off of it in certain spots and you get a like a whole spectrum. Yeah, it's uh, light and uh, color spectrums are really, really cool stuff. I hope you interview someone yeah. who ha- is like an expert in that at some point on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I mean, I interviewed Erin McMurtry and we talked about it. She's, she might not be an expert, but she definitely loves it. She definitely is. I would put her on the level of expert color spectrum. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> expert in, in practicing a lot. She loves color. Um, Okay, so well, going back, why don't you dive into what textiles are and um, what you love about them so much? Yeah, so textiles, um, they're the oldest living, like, tangible art that could be carried around with you. Everybody wore clothes at some point. Cloth um, and baskets and things, they all are textiles it's it's they somehow in nature this fiber was found and they started using this fiber and spinning it into ropes or larger yarns and weaving them together or knitting them together to make a broader spectrum of a textile now what's fascinating is when i look at the compa- comparison of weaving a textile to um, building a digital image for instance, in a digital image, if you zoom in really close, especially in Photoshop on a photograph, it's like tiny little pixels of color that make up the entire large shape. Yep. In a textile, as you're weaving, you're doing the same thing. You're putting a tiny little section color, one of those up or down parts of the weave. And then as those build on top of each other, it almost prints out this beautiful image. And what's fascinating is cultures around the world have learned how to do this and in ways where they were able to create their own um, textile that was kind of signified their tribe or their nation or um, just their community so well. And that was, this was just common instinctual knowledge that they would pass down throughout their generations. It's, it was fascinating to me. Totally. And I'll bet you can follow and track the difference um like textile concepts or processes through like throughout the world throughout time right almost like you could like follow the evolutionary lines of you know mammals into whatever you know just the way that different species flow into each other absolutely absolutely and even as other things in the world became more common knowledge you can see that shift just like you do with art right in art history Throughout different periods, you see the shifts in how um, art was created or the emotions that were shown in art. It's the same thing with textiles. Every every season, every year, these textiles are changing and evolving with us as a society, um, just like art. So to me, fabric and textiles, um, 
is really, really neat to watch, especially to keep the pulse on what are the new fabrics that are being developed. Um, they might not be used yet, but the fact that they're being developed is wonderful because we know at some point they're going to have a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did, I mean, I, I look at the world through a lens of art history along the, as well as like normal history. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you do that with textiles and fabrics and whatnot? Definitely do. I think, I think I look through the lens of art history a lot. Um, just yeah. as a, as a milestone or a place to mark when I notice something has similarities to something from art history. Um, or different period in our history, I should say. Um, but you know, what's fascinating about that is, um, <laughs> I'm gonna loop this back up to the, the concepting. So when you're forecasting your creativity or your, your concepting, there are, there's like certain rules or certain virtues that always exist that actually tie into the collective. And this is not just me saying this. This is not just your friend of a friend who likes to meditate telling you this about the collective and intuition. This is actually taught in fashion schools. This is taught, I'm sure, in some art schools as well about the collective. And so um, part of it is staying true to who you are, making sure that in your concept that it is truly how you feel, what you're putting out there that you have a restraint, some kind of a frame that you get to work within. Um, not necessarily, you know, a rigid frame, but just kind of an outline. As long as you have an outline, you have a target to kind of aim towards. Um, be generous with yourself, going in there and giving it your absolute most as much as you can towards that project is gonna allow a lot more of your creativity to flow through in that concept. Um, and sh keeping integrity with it, passion projects are all absolutely going to be the most important. So focus on those, um, being patient, especially in fashion concepting, they're concepting two to three and a half years ahead. So we're talking about concepting something that we don't even know if it exists yet. So it's really living that ephemeral um, place. Um, keeping things positive and respecting others. Like that's the best way that you can concept. And that's, that's what's taught. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, if uh, those are like words to live by all of that. Right. And this, I mean, this yeah. is, those are, that is like the framework to starting a concepting journey. And then all of that, all of those little rules and virtues are funneled into your intuition. So you could, you know, learn all of those, sit and meditate or sit wherever is your um, isolation spot or where you have no distractions. You know, it, maybe it's in the bath, maybe it's late at night, you need a journal, or maybe first thing when you wake up, you want to write some things down because that's where you're the most creative. Um, when you're in that space, running through those, those, um, rules or virtues is, uh, are the foundation of creativity and that's where the concepting really comes to life that's awesome um and then and just going off of that as the framework like that that applies to every single creative field too they can all take the same ideas and you know apply them to thinking about my paintings or 
anything. Absolutely. Um, do you have, okay. So, I mean, it, you're kind of talking about getting into like a, your flow state right there yep. um, where things just go and um, creativity just opens up and runs wild. Do you have like, what's your flow for that? What's your pro your process or your favorite place to be for that? I have two places. I either like to be outside meditating, listening to birds and the wind. Um, or I, if I'm really, really, really stuck, I will sit and meditate in the bath. That is like, for whatever it is, the water shakes up everything enough. And as I start to sweat, then I start to think about, um, kind of getting back on track of things with my creativity. So those are my two go-tos. <laughs> yeah. Nature and water. That is, hang on one second. <laughs> Could you hear that? I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, it might come back in a minute. This isn't a professional studio yet. <laughs> just, so, just so everybody knows. All good. We're working on it. We're working on it. Um, shoot. Sorry. I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, yeah. Water. Water is so awesome for that for a lot of people. I mean, I, I know that I like to go surfing and it feels like things can really get unstuck. Just being in water, there's like, there's a cleansing energy to it. Um, yeah, it's really cool what water does to, to moving the energy. Water's a really powerful element. Absolutely. That's cool. Um, yeah, so then you teach these concepts. This is, was one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about was teaching these major concepts, these abstract things to people. Like maybe talk about the challenges of that and like what's interesting about it. Yeah, so. All right. All right, folks, we're back. Yeah. Um, yeah, so teaching these concepts uh, can get a little tricky because you have to guide people into that perspective first. So what I like to do is find ways to immerse them completely in a concept. And then while they're in the concept, find ways that kind of breadcrumb them back to where they were in their perspective, because that'll help them open their eyes so that they can see the path there and back. Um, now this is uh, <laughs> a very vague description for some, um, but as an example, if somebody is, especially when they're looking at 3D um, for the first time, that can be a lot for your brain to process. You know, for art for the longest time, you're working in a 2D place. You're working with a flat piece of paper and a pen or pencil or marker or whatever it may be. And now you have something in front of you that you, you're not aware of that you can rotate and move into any direction possible as you're using your art medium. And so I like to find analogies um, along the way that might relate to that person or that person's medium to help guide them into immersing in that concept. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, it's like I was so working with my uh, assistant artist is is always so tricky just in the nature of expressing what my vision is. And then having her interpret it um, in the exact way that I'm thinking, because 
abstraction is such a wild thing. Like every kind of art in nature is basically an abstraction. It's not the real thing that you're talking about. Uh, like if I draw a can of Coke, my drawing is an abstraction of that real object. Right. And so even talking about the drawing as well as I can, like talking about shades and colors and lines and whatever, there's, I'm still, and then words are an abstraction also. So it's like two levels of abstraction happening from the actual thing that's real. And um, it, it's, it can be such a funky experience. Do you, yeah. do you run into that? I, I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been in situations where, you know, people get frustrated uh, or sad because they feel like they're hitting a block because they can't understand that other perspective. Um, I, I've run into the opposite where people get it so quick that they're finishing my sentence um, in the analogy before I can. So, um, you know, it, I feel like that also kind of comes around in different ways. And it's really about reading. It's about reading the person that you want to give perspective to. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and having patience with the process. Yes. Patience is probably the number one virtue of teaching. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is. And learning too. Like it's, uh, like everybody, everybody in the process really has to have an open mind and a, a goal for like, finalizing the project and and seeing it through absolutely and and the best way you can get everyone on board is to to shake up their perspectives because then they all have the same uh they all have the same starting place so as in like you know kick people out of their comfort zone where they might have like a, a more entrenched concept or idea of what is yep exactly yeah yeah, when I'm t- teaching drawing or painting, which I do occasionally, it's I feel like one thing that one major thing that I focus on with people is trying to crack their shell of the way that they think it should be. Cuz a lot of times we learn one process or one technique and then we build on that, but there's this whole world of possibilities and styles and flavors and and um I mean, that's a good exercise to try to do with ourselves too. Like as I'm painting, I'm always trying to think of like different ways to do what I'm doing. Absolutely. I mean, I like to think of the the fun aspect of creativity is when you, you equate art with danger and being dangerous, right? It, it builds that like excitement. You're going to try something new. It's exciting. It's dangerous. You don't know what's going to happen. And then on the other side of it, something really amazing happens. You break down your barriers of, of what your expectations are for that medium or what your expectations are for um, that style. And now here you are in a new place where you're able to formulate your own style, maybe combining the two elements or the elements that you liked from one and another um, to start defining your style and who you are. What would you say that? feeling is like afterwards when you're like looking at what you've created victory (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean I'm sure there's a much sweeter way but for me it just it feels like a true victory like 
all of your effort and hard work and all those feelings and emotions that you go through throughout that entire process when you see that that beautiful finished project or you know even when it's like 99% of the way done just getting there you get that extra excitement of victory and you're running to the finish line at that point because you're so excited for it to be done incomplete yeah <laughs> totally in uh in painting and murals i like the last 10 percent is when the whole thing really really like jumps up a notch you know that's when the finishing touches come yeah. in is that is that how it is for designing and yeah i would say so um I mean, I feel like it's, it might be a little bit more than 10%. It might be like the last 30%, which is like kind of daunting to think about, but, um, you know, you have this idea that's floating around and you're starting to put it to paper and starting to give it tangibility with textures you're selecting and colors, and you're starting to give it feeling with those colors and the movement of that. But until you have that physical sample made, it's like, you're not sure how that all plays out. Like you have this idea of how it plays out, but when you, once you have that sample, that visual sample of it all together, then you're able to see, Oh, wow, that really does work together. Or, you know what, let me change this fabric to a different fabric and see how that works better. Um, and then there it is. You get that final bit of, uh, the whole feeling emotion and your concept. Mm. Heck yeah. Now, you have definitely enlightened me a lot on the environmental impact of clothing and just the, the ways to look at clothing. Like, I didn't know what fast fashion was until you told me about yeah. it. Um, why don't you go off on that topic? Oh, okay. Um, so kind of like what I was mentioning a little bit earlier in this interview podcast, <laughs> not interview podcast. Mm -hmm. um, I, so the fashion industry is in a weird place right now. So for a lot of years, um, longer than some of our grandparents and great grandparents have been around, um, the fashion industry has been really dirty. There's a lot of chemicals that are unregulated um, that get dumped that have significant environmental impacts. Um, What's hard is that uh, making clothing is one of the one of the jobs and skills that are taught to developing nations. Now we're still, we're getting to the point where um, a lot of countries are are reaching that point of being a, a developing nation um, and further beyond that to more developed. Um, so there's only a, a handful of other countries left that will go through this process, but. Um, they're taught how to sew and that's the skill. And then they are, they make things and then they sell them and that's how they build up skill. And so they, they understand, you know, how to build an economy in their country. And so it really starts with clothing. And what's really weird about it is in that country, they are so happy to be working that they will accept, you know, any, any type of wage is fine. But when we look at a developed country like us, um, you know, and we, for whatever reason, we get into this like uh, fast convenience culture. Um, and this is, I, I will say that this fast convenience culture is dying, um, which is a huge positive, but you know, fast food, 
um, you know, I want, I want a drive-through doctor's office or I don't know, it's just like crazy stuff. And so fast fashion is, is the same thing. I want this article of clothing that looks like it was on the runway or it looks similar to something a celebrity was wearing that I follow that I can get for $5 instead of paying $30 or $40. And the reality is that when you look at the whole product life cycle, paying $5 for something should really make your heart ache. You know, like, yes, that might be okay on your pocketbook, but when you look at how that's actually affecting the world, you're, it's, it's actually like a debt in a way. Um, you know, so. Why? Well, because the amount of water and energy that goes into it, the amount of toxic waste that goes into garments that are cheaply made, um, they, they, those don't have social responsible factories, um, you know, where people are paid uh, a livable wage, which if many of the listeners aren't aware of, a livable wage is much different than um, a, a minimum wage. Minimum wage is the state, country, region mandated wage um, that they estimate is, is enough to that people can live off of. But the livable wage is in actuality the amount of money that a person needs to be paid to be able to live at a bare minimum. And so a lot of countries, their minimum wage is significantly lower than their livable wage. Um, so there's that. Um, different countries have different regulations on chemicals just based on their scientific research. Um, there's not really like a global, uh, like a global certification, so to speak, um, that, that can regulate, you know, no matter what country you're in, if you don't abide by these chemical restrictions that you'll be fined, right? It, it depends on the country that that factory is in. So some countries are more willing to allow um, toxic chemicals that are known, like 100% known to cause birth defects, um, cancers, and I mean, really, really serious deformities. And they're just dumping them in their water streams. They're dumping them in the earth right next to them, right next to a, a school, right next to a neighborhood. Um, because that's how their country allows them to behave. And that's why those garments are cheaper, because that is a country that is developing. They still haven't developed those laws and regulations. They haven't developed their society. And so we can get by with paying them cheaper. So that should be your indicator when you buy something that's really cheap to think about, you know, uh, what, what all has gone into making this garment, because uh, most likely it was not a positive impact. And these, um, these chemicals are like, they're used to dye fabrics or give them different like textures or colors or things like that. It, it can be used for that. They can be used as destruction. So to give it that fake destruction on denim, um, there's chemicals that are used. There's different types of acid washes, for instance, on denim, there's different types of bleaches. There's different types of um, even just the chemicals that are used to make a synthetic um, fiber, a synthetic yarn of a fabric, um, you know, natural fibers like cotton, silk, wool, linen, um, those come from the planet. They come from the earth. They come from an animal hair, right? That's really easy to grasp. Um, you know, that it, doing it, using those fibers in mass production 
of course, is going to have some issues. But when you look at the bigger picture, it has a lot less toxicity than synthetic fibers. Synthetic fibers have toxicity from the moment that that chemical fiber was created in a chemistry lab to the toxic waste throughout the process of melting it and burning it or however it's formed into that fiber. And then as it's being woven and then fabric goes through this cycle of being washed over and over and over again before it gets sewn. So all of that waste water, all of those microfibers that come from that process go into our water streams and our oceans. Jeez. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they give off a ton of chemicals into the air that people are breathing as they're making it. And Absolute, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, not, I don't want to add any more fire to this, but they actually, so this is why I love um, the digitization of garment samples and prototyping, because typically uh, on average, before the digitization started, um, apparel comp like one garment would go through a prototype sampling process of maybe creating anywhere from two to five prototypes of that garment. And that means that they're creating um, enough yardage of the fabric, so enough of the sample fabric to sew that up. So they only make enough for that sample, they sew it up, and then all the scraps from that fabric would get burned. If that prototype was not if they don't have another use for it, 90% of the time it gets burned. And so you're, you're breathing in those burned chemicals, those burned, uh, uh, yeah, all those toxic chemicals. So, yeah. Totally. Huh. But there, there, <laughs> there is light at the end of that tunnel. Um, so you as a listener, what you can do is right now, since we're in this like weird molded, we're in this place where we can mold what the fashion industry is, what you can do to help us make sure that it forms into the right mold, the, the mold that is positive for people and positive for the environment is don't spend your money on something that does not have value, right? So with clothing, spend your money on things that have a higher percentage of natural fibers. Spend your money on things that are made at a higher quality that are not, I'm going to throw this out there, not Forever 21, not H&M, you know, not that quick fix on a garment. Think of, think of those types of companies as like a Burger King or McDonald's. Is it good for your health? Probably not. Jeez. Can you hear this kid? <laughs> I can. Jesus. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so I, <laughs> I've been playing with different places of recording this, um, and uh, each spot that I've had, it one's in my studio, and that's okay, but then loud things will happen there occasionally. And then at our apartment, it's pretty good, but we have a dog that will bark all, all the time here and there that I can't control, and then we've got, and then I'm in my garage right now, and it works pretty good, except for occasionally people just come by and get crazy on it. <laughs> um but you know it's all part of it this is this is an experiment it's all part of the art process totally listener thank you for you know keeping along with all this stuff we're gonna we're gonna just keep on getting better um but yeah so i mean in general we can like as a solution we can avoid those big companies that are i mean 
yeah because it seems like h&m you go there and there's like all these cool little trends but and they're like ridiculously cheap and those are the things that you're saying are like that's a red flag Huge red right flag there. i would say unfortunately if you are purchasing a t-shirt and it's it's under thirty dollars make a hard take a take a moment to think about that a little bit harder think about you know where is it coming from? Is that is it made in the U.S. and it's under thirty dollars? It's probably okay. Is it made in another country in the world and it's under thirty dollars? I might second guess it. Um, you can always lo- look up the company, um, companies that are acting in a positive way towards people, the workers, and the environment. Have statements on their website about that. Um, some companies are certified in things like that. And so if you're not sure, you can always look them up and see. And if they're, if they don't make a statement, that's a major flag that they don't care. Totally. Totally. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Fern. You're, uh, you're making change in the world. Yeah, I hope so. We're getting there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe it was when I'm, met you and started talking to you about all this stuff but I really just try to buy things very differently now than I used to and um, you know get t-shirts from people that are local that it like the dollar goes right to them um, or like shirts that are supporting a cause or or whatever Um, yeah yeah now this kind of we're gonna jump over to these questions that I have sure. for you. I've got a couple questions. So one one question is, what's your definition of art? Oh, I would say art is everything. Anything that you can think, see, touch, and feel. Um, anything, every the connection between everything. It's it's all art because through your eyes you see it. Through someone else's eyes they see it through an animal's eyes, they see it through the way that other animals and beings communicate. They see it in different ways. And so really everything is art. Whoa. So like art, art isn't necessarily the thing art is also, or maybe even more, it's like the transaction of energy between the thing and then the interpreter. Absolutely. Mm, That's a funky twist. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) no that's cool and i mean art is it's an experience in a lot of ways and it's and that experience is the transfer of that energy and what happens in your brain when you're looking at something um and then and then in your body and your soul everything that's happening is it's a result of like taking in that quote-unquote art but really like the art is the whole everything that's going on yeah yeah let that sink in for a bit fellas (laughs) yeah yeah that's mind blown (laughs) um nice then uh okay ready for another question yeah okay so if you could go back and give yourself advice this is from the age of like five to 15 what would you tell yourself Ooh. I need to think about this for a minute. Hmm. 
I, I honestly, I think I would just give myself a pat on the back and say, you're doing good kid. Like, keep it up. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I, yeah. Cause I, I, you know, something I, I struggled with was, um, I, and maybe you guys haven't picked this up, but I'm a really caring person. And so I, when I was a lot younger, I used to let my caring for others kind of overshadow my caring for myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, giving myself a pat on the back would have been that, that enough of that motivation and positive uh, reinforcement for me to feel like I was taking care of myself. Yeah. All your energy was going elsewhere, but you weren't keeping enough yeah. for yourself. Yeah, you got to put on that oxygen mask before you can help anybody else. So true. So true. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we, we know a handful of people that are similar to that. Do you feel like there there was a trans... What was the transition point in your life when you switched? Oh. Or do you feel like you have switched or, or is it something that you will, are constantly working I, on? I mean, I think this is, for me personally, it, it's definitely shifted... Um, a lot, but I think this is something that I will forever be working and involving because, you know, different things pop up, different things that you care about, different people, different situations. Um, so you can't really understand all of it. Um, I feel like it's, it's a constant learning of uh, moving through that, but at least from when I was a kid, I think the cat to now, um, there's been some big catalyst milestones in in shifting me f- in that direction um, with, you know, you know, negative situations and, and coming through the other side in a positive way. Yeah. Learning yeah, lessons. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think uh, I, I, I like to take risks I because I believe that I learn from my own failures the fastest and um, in, in the best way. So I like to take risks so that I can learn something on my own. And yes, there's been quite a few failures out there, um, which is okay. Um, but they really have shaped where I'm at now. Absolutely. I mean, it, uh, it takes courage to to try something to step out on a ledge and go and especially if you don't really know what the outcome is going to be you don't know if your wings are going to work or not (laughs) um and you just go for it yeah very true Uh, well you're you're a pretty courageous human always have been since i've known you (laughs) thanks (laughs) (laughs) yeah um all right, I got another question right. for you. This is a new question. Um, what What is the the most impactful piece of media that you've come across in the last like three or four months? The the thing that has made the most impact on you, and this can be a book or um, a podcast or whatever, 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 blog. Um... I would say it's a book. So I've been, I've had this book that I've been meaning to read. I have a fascination with um, just historical ways of, of cataloging, cataloging. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, Things uh, such as like, how does, how does math and geometry tie into the art and the visual? How does, 
um, you know, these other philosophies from like Plato and Socrates tie into where we are today kind of a thing. Um, and so the book is, I think you can get it probably at the, one of the museums or probably online. It's called Quadrivium and it's the four classical liberal arts of number, geometry, music, and cosmology. Mm. Um, it seems light, you can flip through it and it looks like it's really light topics, but if you read through it, I feel like I, I have to sit and simmer and think on every single page, on every single word, because it's looking at the world from a different perspective than how we have evolved to look at it now. And so I'm reading these and as I'm reading it, trying to trace back the connection to whoever was reading it back then or ever, whoever was uh, writing that back in the day. So it's really, it's really, it's really made an impact on me. <laughs> nice. Do you ever use like any sort of a book or media to um, like jumpstart your creativity and your creative process? Um, like, do you do it intentionally or is it just something that like you're reading stuff all the time and those things are always kind of like uh, infusing into what you're doing? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's, things just kind of jump out at me. I, I, I like to read a lot. Um, so I'll, I mean, I go into deep wormholes on the internet in places that I didn't even know existed until I got there. Um, <laughs> of reading and knowledge and, I, you know, I'm really a, a nerd for knowledge. So I think of knowledge, things will pop up that'll, like, for instance, that book, I've been wanting to read it. I got maybe four pages in and I got super inspired about something that reminded me of Lady Gaga's new album. And then I started going into a wormhole and then I found this whole plethora of creativity just kind of pouring out of me in excitement. And I just started jotting down all these ideas and I started concepting. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, why don't you talk just for a minute or two oh, about <laughs> your love for Lady Gaga? I have a slight obsession <laughs> in a healthy way. Um, I say this because, so I personally feel a strong connection to Lady Gaga's vibe, um, not her album vibe, not her performer vibe, the, the energetic vibe that this woman puts out every single day of her life. I feel like we are almost twins um, when she's feeling a certain way and she's posting about it. I feel that exact way. And so for me, um, she's the oh. she's the icon of that idea of a concept that I'm so in love with, right? That we, that there's a collective that exists and we are all able to tune into that collective if we allow ourselves. And she actively tunes into that collective every single day of her life. Um, so much so that, you know, she has so many followers that call her mother. She's mother monster, right? And I know that's evolved and the meaning behind it has kind of evolved over time. But when you look at it from this collective, like she is the icon of the collective. And so the, everyone who feels what she feels or under, is on that page, like 
the emotion she puts out, the the vibe, the concept she puts out, the the album she puts out. If you notice, all of her albums shift dramatically in the vibe. Like there's this underlying sense of cla- like classical musical tones because um, she's a classical artist. But outside of that, the vibe of every album changes, but there's a thread between all of them that links through. And it's it's the evolution of, of a person's emotion going through all of that. So I just, I'm fascinated by her and I love her and I'm going to stop talking about her because I could go on for hours. <laughs> oh that was great that was what i was hoping for right there (laughs) yeah lady gaga is awesome i've always been a fan she is funky and yeah she is a concept basically she's just wild and out there and extreme and trying new things and i like how i mean it's obvious that she really pushes the limit with all of her designers that she works with and um, I mean, a lot of musicians and artists do that, but she pushes Absolutely. the limit farther than most. Um, got a couple more minutes. Is there anything like what's what are you geeking out on these days? What What do you um, want to talk about? Is there anything? You, you have know, any questions? I, I think there? I've really been uh, tapping into a new artistic medium. So I've been getting into weave like weaving my own hand looms um with wool yarns um for Mm. now just kind of perfect some techniques before i let myself free (laughs) um i'm really liking it i find it to be really meditating um it's really it's really interesting to see kind of what pour what kind of colors and what shapes and um things just kind of pour out of me as i'm doing it because i don't really give myself a plan i just kind of go at it so it's fun. Yeah. Cool. Exactly. Like diving into the abstract. I like it. Yeah, I mean, that, that sounds really similar to ways that I go about doing abstract paintings where it's like no plan, no idea, really. Just kind of yeah, and I, one I mean, step at a the time. The nice thing about weaving is if something's bad, you just pull those threads back out or those yarns back out and then redo it if it freaks you out too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes it's good. Sometimes yeah, you don't want to get too freaked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a healthy level of freak out is always Absolutely. Is, is good. Good to maintain. <laughs> oh, well, Fern... This has been a pleasure. Um, you're a fantastic human. You and I have been on many different adventures mm-hmm. together throughout the years. And uh, you're always just such a go-getter. And you have this awesome like attitude of um, optimism and creativity. You know, you're always thinking of like, what can we do in this situation to make it better? Um and that's it's just really cool and it's refreshing and Aww. you're you're <laughs> a badass you. in the world some kind words so, yeah it's been yeah it's definitely. been a pleasure taylor yeah uh, along the way well, with you as well so thank you yeah 
Uh, where can everybody um, yes. so reach out and contact I you? Yes, so I am not really big on social media, but I do have an Instagram. It's at fern underscore at underscore the underscore disco. <laughs> Um, it is a private account, but feel free to add me <laughs> and I'll add you. Um, and then I can be found on LinkedIn. So if you look up my first name and last name, Krista Lippert, um, you'll be able to find me on LinkedIn. So feel free to reach out to me on either. If you have any questions, just want to chat, want to dance, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You're at the disco, so right? it's definitely <laughs> dance worthy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, cool. All right. Well, is there anything else? You got 30 seconds. Ooh. Let's get like one little. Don't be afraid to be you. who you are. And don't be afraid to just let life take you where it wants to take you. Nothing is bad. Nothing is good. You're in the middle. Hmm. Ah, I like that. Make exactly. it make it whatever you want it, it to be. Cool. All right, Fern. Well, sounds thanks good. Again. Thanks, man. And, uh, Chat soon. We'll talk to Bye, you. Bye, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. All right, my creative friends. That was Fern Lippert. What? An awesome human. Uh, I hope that you get to meet her in your lifetime because she is a positive energy in the world doing good things. Um, Yeah, reach out to her on Instagram at fern underscore at underscore the underscore disco because she likes to party. She's professional, but she'll party too in all the most positive ways. So, um... Yeah, you can you find me on Instagram at Taylor G Murals, and that's my website. And same thing on Facebook. If you got any questions, uh, send them out to me. Reach out to Fern though. Say what's up. Let her know that you appreciate her enlightening you about fast fashion and all those issues. Um, like I mentioned, it's really affected the way that I think about buying clothing and like what actually goes into what we just put on our backs and wear around and um you know like every dollar is a vote in the direction one way or the other and so it's like when I'm buying clothes I'm like what am I voting for am I voting for like local made in the USA type positive things that are going to help support causes or am I voting for chemicals and you know trouble for the third world developing nations um i definitely know what feels better to me you make your decisions but um yeah it's crazy world out there i hope that you are being creative and just enjoying that side of life because i mean i feel like there's there's huge value to that like that's a lot of what makes us human is our creative efforts and perspectives and ideas and um yeah it's one of the most important things so wherever you are uh just know that i support you in whatever you're doing and if you ever have any questions or 
you know, want an outside critique on anything, um, hit me up on Instagram and say what's up and show me what you're working on. And uh, yeah, let me know what you think about stuff. So with that, take care and I'll talk to you soon.